Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome to our Sunday gathering together. I'm so pleased that you've joined us on this glorious day and also when our campuses are doing church on lawn. So that's going to be really exciting as well. So we're so blessed and excited that you've joined us. Let me pray as we begin our service. Father, thank you. Thank you for your presence and thank you that we can celebrate the goodness of God and we can gather this morning and declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we pray, Lord, that as ordinary people, as we are, who are serving extraordinary God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we will be able to bring a sacrifice of prayer and worship to you that gives you honour and praise. And Father, we thank you. We thank you for the passion and the enthusiasm that you give us for you. Because, Lord, we want to be your servants. We want to reflect your goodness in this generation. We want to tell the whole world that Jesus Christ is alive and well today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Hello, church. We're going to sing some... Um some songs and worship God this morning from uh, our homes, from the stage here um, in this church. And I ask you to join me in this um, as we sing, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. As we sing of his goodness, the redeemed, us, we're singing it and we're all agreeing together. And we're agreeing, amen, that God is good. So join me in song from your home. Um, yeah, God, thank you. We can worship you, the one seated on the throne, the one who deserves all our worship, God. And we're the ones who don't deserve anything that you've done for us. But Jesus, we, I just come with open hands, um, surrendering to it. And I just give you thanks for the freedom that I have in you. So uh, we worship you and we declare that you are king.
So good to spend some time in worship and to celebrate the King, focus our minds on Christ and that peace and that joy that he gives us. Well, I want to pause for a moment and give thanks. Maybe you already have the emblems and you're sat looking at them. Maybe take a moment to go and uh, collect them and bring them. And as we do that, let's remember, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you gave your life on the cross for us. And Lord, we hold this, this small little piece of bread, this wafer in remembrance of your body that was broken. Lord, looking at this, it's hard to imagine that it represents all the violence, the pain, the agony of crucifixion, the brokenness of Christ. But Lord, in my mind, it does connect with me and connects deeply about the cost, the price that you paid and your willingness, your willingness to truly sacrifice for us as the payment for our sin. Friends, the body of Christ that is broken for you, eat it in remembrance of him. Amen. I will never forget that moment when I walked out of the church, having given my life completely and totally over to Christ. That that moment, I felt clean. That's the power of the gospel, that God takes away our shame. He takes away our guilt, that Christ's blood cleanses us in that beautiful and remarkable way. A new beginning. It was quite Unbelievable to experience that kind of deep cleansing that was tangible and real within my life. Changed me. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Father, thank you for this and for your son who shed his blood to give us freedom. Amen. What a rich blessing. <sighs> Fantastic. Okay, we're going to go and hear the news right now with Courtney, all that's going on in Willow Park Church. And then we'll step back into our messages in Daniel. And we are stepping in to the powerful message of Daniel. If you're south, chapter 10. And if you're watching through 33, Chapter 11. Look forward to it. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Thank you for joining us today. Here is your family news. Our Set Free Retreat is happening online this Friday and Saturday, April 23rd and 24th. Set Free is a weekend of intentionally meeting with Jesus through teaching, breakout groups, and listening prayer. It's a time where you can experience greater spiritual renewal and learn to hear and distinguish the voice of Jesus in your life. If you're feeling stuck and want to break free of old patterns and ways of thinking, then Set Free is for you. Learn more and sign up online at willowparkchurch.com set free. The Marriage Course is a free series of online sessions designed to help couples invest in their relationship and build a strong marriage. The Marriage Course will be starting this Monday, April 19th. It's free to sign up and you have the flexibility of watching the weekly video at a time that works best for you and your spouse. Learn more and sign up today at willowparkchurch.com marriage. Our in-person youth programs are happening again this week in the Cahoots Lounge. Grade 9 to 12, join us on Wednesday night, and grade 6 to 8, join us on Thursday night. 
Pre-registration is required for the Cahoots Lounge, and you can get all the details at cahoots.ca. We have some exciting news for all of you who love camping. You are invited to our big church campout happening July 9th to 12th at Pines Bible Camp. We will also have additional camping dates available July 5th to 16th. This camping experience is for all ages, and we will have activities for kids and adults. So save the date on your calendar because this is something you don't want to miss. Registration will be coming soon, so watch your emails and our website for details. Rainbows is a special group that can help children, kindergarten to grade 6, heal the hurts caused by a loss through divorce, separation, foster care, death, or other life-altering events. At Rainbows, children can make friends with other kids who understand how they feel and the things they are going through. We will be running this program May 3rd to June 28th. Learn more and sign up online at willowparkchurch.com slash rainbows. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Well, good morning, Willow Park Church. It is a joy to be able to share the Word of God with you again. We're in Daniel chapter 10 this morning. Pastor Phil is speaking on Daniel chapter 11. I'm not saying that for you to go and jump over there, but I do want to let you know that for this, uh, for our side of things at the south, we're actually going to be stopping here, Daniel chapter 10, not because we've kind of run out of steam or we're not interested in Daniel chapter 11 or 12. Uh, Pastor Phil will be speaking on 11 and 12 over the next week or so. Next week, I'm actually going to be doing a little bit of an epilogue onto our next series. So we're just running out a little bit of a time. So we thought, how can we creatively make sure that we cover all of Daniel uh, while also jumping into our next series? So next week, I'll actually be talking about revival. I'll be talking about the presence of God, the promise of God. And it's an epilogue to our new series that we're starting the first weekend in May, which is called Empowerment. Uh, is Power Up, and it's about the Holy Spirit. We're going to do a series looking at and studying the Holy Spirit over the period of Pentecost. So I really encourage you to join us in that. And next week's just a little bit of an epilogue as we think and look at revival and the place of the Holy Spirit and what we should be straining towards as a church. But for today, we're going to do Daniel chapter 10. So I just need to confess to you, uh, this is 9 o'clock service uh, for all of you who are watching. If you are watching the 11 o'clock, we're recording this at 9 o'clock. It's just the power of TV. And uh, the reason we're doing that is because at 10.30, we're actually gathering outside of the south Uh, Nicole's done a beautiful job of setting up an area outside. We're going to do church on lawn. So you've got church online and we've got church on lawn. And uh, it filled up like like we have 50 spots and it filled up within about an hour or so when we opened up registration, which was really encouraging. And we are looking to see how we can add another service outside. Uh, So keep an eye out for that. And then we're also talking about how we can do kids church inside, which we're allowed to do while we do not kids church on the lawn outside. So lots of stuff coming up. Please keep an eye on that in your emails and online. Uh, We're just excited to be able to see people's faces. We're quite giddy about having a little gathering outside in the beautiful, beautiful Kelowna sun. Okay, if I was going to give a title for this morning's sermon, it would be this. It would be entitled Cosmic Conflict. Cosmic conflict, that we are in a war, we're in a battle, and it's at a cosmic level. So let's jump straight in. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. In those days, Daniel was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine. 
wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for the full three weeks. Okay, so here's what we've got here. And what we're going to do over the next just little while is we're going to work through the passage. We're going to talk as we go. So I'm going to talk through the passage pretty quickly. And then I've got some application as to what we can learn from this passage that will help us in our day to day. And I promise you that if you hold on to the end, that the application is not only really interesting and not often talked about, but is incredibly encouraging and useful for our day-to-day walk as Christians. But also for those of you who are just thinking through Christianity, this is a really interesting subject and topic as well. So what do we learn from right at the beginning? I'm not going to go through all the history of Daniel. It's been a wonderful journey through the book. But Daniel is a book about the life of God's people in exile. They'd been kidnapped. They'd been uh, murdered. They'd been taken away into slavery. They're now living in a culture that is completely alien to them. But Daniel has dedicated himself to God and also working hard in this alien culture. So now Daniel is in his 80s, and he is uh, a high-ranking government official in a land that is completely opposite to his worldview and his values. And so we've said as Christians, there's a lot for us to resonate with here, that we feel like our culture has moved away from our Christian values, accelerated away in many different ways, but we are still called to live a faithful life that our culture would look at and would be antagonistic towards at very best and, and, and kind of hate at worst. And so how do we live in the middle of this culture? So Daniel's people, the people of God, are almost 70 years into this period of their history. And, and we can see in this passage, he's been mourning for three weeks, that the, Daniel and his people are weary, and they're in this war, that the temple, the church, has been closed, not for a year like we've been experiencing in Kelowna, but for 70 years. For 70 years, they've not been able to gather as a group of people. They've not been able to have community. They've not been able to share traditions. So immediately, there's a lot here that we can relate to, except for Daniel and the people of God, it's been 70 years. And what's interesting in this passage is we get an insight into the unseen realm. You see, we look at our world, understandably, through our senses. And what you're going to see in this passage, it is an unseen world, a different realm, if you like, at work that we don't see. It's like God's perspective versus our perspective. And so through Daniel's writing, we get a glimpse of the unseen, that God's perspective. So while we're looking at our culture and we're lamenting not being able to gather like we love to gather, we're lamenting that we can't do the traditions that we love to celebrate as a people because of COVID, it feels like we're at war, that we have this unseen enemy. There's a lot that we can relate to. But God's perspective is different from our perspective. And so what brings hope to us in the middle of this difficult time is understanding how God sees things. What is going on in this unseen realm? His perspective versus our perspective. This is amazing quote by Abraham Kuyper. And he says this, if once the curtain were pulled back and the spiritual world behind it came to view, it would expose to our spiritual vision a struggle so intense, so convulsive, sweeping everything within its range, that the fiercest battle ever fought on earth would seem by comparison a mere game. Not here, but up there in the unseen realm. That is where the real conflict is waged. Our earthly struggle drones in its backlash. That there is an unseen seen battle that is happening that we see some of the outworking of in the physical realm but we're going to get an insight into the unseen realm and and you can read a lot about this in Revelation 12 as well and and Michael who we're going to hear from again in just a second this is from Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 to 9 again talking about the unseen realm now war arose in heaven there's that word again war battle we are 
are called into a conflict. Christianity is not just this nice added activity that we put on to the rest of our nice, comfortable, cozy lives. We, when we become Christians, join the army of the Lord. We are in a conflict. Now war arose in heaven. Michael and his angels fighting against a dragon. That's Satan. And the dragon and his angels... And his angels fought back. That's Satan and his demons fighting back. But he was defeated, praise God. And there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. We are surrounded by an unseen realm. And for some of you, this is not teaching that you're used to. If you were brought up in the 80s, lots of teaching on this. Um, But there's an unseen demonic realm at work in our world that is causing an outworking that we experience on a day-to-day level. Not just COVID, but the outworking of sin. So we're at war against an unseen enemy. This is what we're going to see in this passage. And if you can see the outworking of that in our families, in our kids' lives, in our marriages, there's a war going on in the social structures, the polarization of politics, morality, hidden addictions. The list goes on and on and on. These are skirmishes that are the outworking of a demonic battle that is happening In the unseen. And for us as Christians, we believe in an unseen because we believe in Jesus. Yes, we can see uh, an outworking of his glory, the Bible says, and we can feel it in creation and the beauty that God, by his common grace, has allowed us to see. But there's also an unseen that we sometimes don't want to think about too much. And it's a demonic, it's a conflict, a cosmic conflict. And so we can gain great hope. In studying this for a little bit and understanding whose side we're on. God's perspective, not our perspective. So we can look at our culture, we can look at morality, we can look at the things that cause us great dismay and burden us. And sometimes, let's be honest, that we get really judgmental about. Not spiritually judging in a holy way, but judgmental about that we we can camp out in the negative and get overwhelmed by it. And miss the hope that is actually there that this passage really shows us. So look again at what Daniel says. He's mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself. It's really interesting, just really quickly, how Daniel responds to this conflict. How does Daniel respond to being isolated from his church family, from not being able to gather, from not being able to do some of the traditions that they hold so dear? How does he respond in this dark period of Israel's time? Well, he has a choice. He's feeling overwhelmed. We're going to see that and we can see it here. He's feeling powerless. He's feeling out of control. Absolutely. But what does he decide to do? He presses in to God. He, he kind of roots himself. His character and his trust shine through. It shines through. You see, the scripture says, and this is a great example in Psalm 46, that God is our refuge and our strength. He's an ever-present help in trouble. Politics is not an ever-present help in trouble. Government is not an ever-present help in trouble. Not the, not the schemes of mankind being the ever-present help in times of trouble. Those things that we point at as being the answer is not the help in the, present, in the, in the time of trouble. It's God. And so this response that Daniel has is rooted in an understanding of who God is. He focuses on what is true. He focuses on what he knows is fact. Can I tell you that one of the most damaging and discouraging thing to do as a Christian, one of the most, one of the most dangerous, I want to put it that way, thing that we can do as Christian is to focus on the wrong truth. It's to focus on the wrong information. I haven't got it with me. I was about to pull it out of my pocket. But if you are filling your life with news, social media, Twitter streams, Facebook, all the constant information that the world is delivering, if that is what you root your truth in, then you are going to be discouraged. 
You're going to feel powerless. You're going to feel out of control. You're going to feel like life is just imploding around you. You probably will get critical. You'll get judgmental. You will resort just to writing maybe snide comments on Facebook and you're battling on Facebook. That is not Daniel's response. What Daniel is doing is he's rooting himself in the information that he knows is true. He resorts to God. So what do we do in our culture? I just want to carefully and lovingly say, just be careful what information you're absorbing as truth. Now, I'm not saying, oh, well, you know, go to this news outlet because this news outlet is truth. I'm talking about the truth. Are you spending as much time in the truth, the word of God, time with Jesus, time with God? Are you, are you actually distancing yourself from a constant stream of information that comes to us? I was listening to a podcast recently and a pastor on it. It was very encouraging. He was talking about how he had, desired, he had heard from the Lord call him into a digital desert. He turned his phone into, and this isn't his term, this is a well-known term. He turned his phone into a dumb phone rather than a smartphone. And so he just had phone calls come through it. Who would have thought that could have even been possible? But he went into a digital desert, and he said that immediately he started feeling more encouraged. He felt less anxious. He felt less depressed. He was able to speak good news. He was, his mind immediately started filling with prayers and thoughts and scripture. And so, again, there's a battle of the mind. And, and so I, was, I felt really challenged by this. And so I actually stepped into a digital desert. I confess, I was in that desert for about 10 days. I'm not in it again now. But what I can say is I'm going to step back into it. I really am because for those 10 days, there was a clarity and a beauty of thought and reflection that I haven't experienced in months. Now you might be going, Spurgeon said he preached with the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in another. I'm not saying don't listen to the news. What I am saying is don't make that the source of your truth. Don't make that the constant flow into your mind. Because you remember in the 80s, we talked about garbage in, garbage out. You know, garbage in, garbage out. It it actually is some truth to that. So Daniel's response is that he prays, he mourns, and he's trying to understand what is going on through the lens and the perspective of the God that he trusts and knows is in control, rather than trying to gain understanding from a media or from a culture that really has one lens that it looks through, and it's not a godly, uh, uh, sin-averse lens. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his face was like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but where great trembling fell upon them. So they sensed the spirit. They sensed what was going on around Daniel. That is, that is a preach right there, and we're going to talk more about that kind of thing next week. And they fled to hide themselves. So I was left alone and saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. Again, this is Daniel struggling, feeling weak. My radiant appearance was fearfully changed. I love the fact that he said, I had a radiant appearance. How many of us can say that every morning? And I retained no strength. Then I heard the sound of his words, and I heard the sound, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. That's up to verse Nine. So there's some debate on who it is that Daniel is seeing. Some people believe that it's Jesus, it's a theophany, that this is the, the Lord of Lords, the angel of the Lord, that often in the Old Testament refers to uh, the physical presence of Jesus showing himself um, to, uh, to his people in the Old Testament. Other people believe it's Gabriel. I, I don't really want to get into that this morning because it doesn't help in our perspective as to what we're looking at. What we do know is that this is a divine being sent by God to go and talk to Daniel. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He's still struggling. Notice that. It's really important. This man of God, this faith-filled servant who has faithfully served God for all his years is struggling. And he said to me, oh Daniel, man greatly loved. What a beautiful thing to say. 
understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Again, he's struggling. I'm pressing this point because this man of God is trembling and struggling. He's strong in faith, but he's struggling. So here's the word of the Lord for many of you this morning. It's okay not to be okay. It's okay to be struggling. It's okay to feel anxious. It's okay to struggle under times where you just feel overwhelmed by what is going on around you. And maybe that's you this morning. And it is not no matter what teaching you have received, that some kind of prosperity gospel that tells you that it is not appropriate for a Christian to feel all that Daniel is feeling. And in fact, all that Jesus felt and Paul felt and all the other servants, all of Psalms is filled with people talking about how they struggle and yet are faith-filled. It's okay. And I love that the Bible is okay with it. And I love that God is okay with it because it means that we have a God who is empathetic to our struggle. He's empathetic to what we're going through. That it's not some sin if you are feeling anxious about a situation. That God knows Daniel didn't hide from God. And notice, what a beautiful thing to say. Oh man, greatly loved. God's love for you is not contingent on how you feel about yourself. How you see yourself. How you refer to yourself. How you speak to yourself. What you reflect on in your memories. God's love is not contingent on that. It's not contingent on the sin that you have committed. Because it says that he loved us while we were still sinners. He loves you. You are greatly loved. And though you might be feeling distant and struggling and mourning and trembling even under the circumstances you might be going through or under the mental war that you might be experiencing, you are greatly loved. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, that's Daniel's response, remember, to humble himself before God, not humble himself before the news that is apparent from his culture. Uh, Your words have been heard, remember that. And I have come because of your words. Remember that. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me. Um, But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what it is to happen to your people in the latter days. For the vision is for the days yet to come. Up to verse 14. I want you to notice something really important here. And by the way, this is the passage that is around debate as to whether this is Jesus or Gabriel. Because if it was Jesus, isn't Jesus all powerful? Why was he being withheld? But really that doesn't help because if Gabriel, the divine being, is from Jesus, then why is he still being withheld? There's a bit of a tension and a mystery around this passage. But at the end of the day, here's the key thing. 21 days. Daniel prayed for three weeks To the point where he was weak, he fasted, he prayed, he did everything he was, quote, meant to do. And yet still was mourning, still was struggling, still was trembling. He prayed, he fasted, lamented, and what was the answer? Let's all say it together. Nothing. No answer. Put yourself into Daniel's situation for a second. Imagine that you decided, right, for the next three weeks, I am going to do nothing else but pray, mourn, lament, and fast for 21 days. No work, no hanging out with family, no spending time with friends, kind of familiar. Um, That is going to be your dedicated focus for three weeks. Imagine that's your decision. And what is the result of that? Nothing. Week one, do you keep going? Week one plus a day, do you keep going? Week one plus four days, do you keep going? Fourteen days, do you keep going? Do you keep going? Do you keep going? Daniel did. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face towards the ground and was mute. Struggle again. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me, and no breath is left in me. 
Again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, oh man, greatly loved. There it is again. Fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And he spoke to me. I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. What an amazing passage. So here are just three reflections on it. Three applications, if you like. What does this mean to us on a day-to-day basis? First of all, let's talk about unanswered prayers. When Daniel prayed, we learn from this passage that there was an immediate response from God. But it took three weeks to get there. So the answer came eventually from Daniel's point of view, but the answer, the prayer was heard from God's point of view immediately. And what was the answer that that Daniel experienced? Well, we can read it in the previous passage. It says, strength, peace, courage. Let my Lord speak and you have strengthened me. Greatly loved. So a sense of being reminded of how favored you are. That there's courage, there's peace, and there's strength. What a beautiful answer. That is the answer of answers. Notice, though, the circumstances hadn't changed. No, I I should have written this down because this is worth remembering. So I'm going to say it twice and maybe you can uh, pause it and write it down. No apparent answer from God is not an indication of divine indifference or neglect. No apparent answer from God is not an indication of divine indifference or neglect. That when you are a day into praying, two days, 14 days, for some maybe it's an hour, for some it might be 10 minutes, and we crack open our eyes and we expect somehow there to be an answer to the prayer that we have prayed, then if we don't feel or sense that answer, then that is not an indication that God is indifferent or neglecting us. His words would have been heard immediately, even though there was no evidence to the fact. And there's elsewhere in the scripture that is proof to this. If we think about John the Baptist's parents, um, we've, we've got Zachariah and Elizabeth and they are, they are told that they're going to have a child. John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin. It says in Luke 1 verse 13, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. This was just before. Now you need to understand something. That Elizabeth is older in age. And it's shameful to be barren in that culture. This would have been a constant prayer to Elizabeth. From probably being in her early to mid-teenage years. Lord, give me a baby. Lord, give me a baby. Jesus, God, give me a baby. Give me a baby. And what is it that years after the angel appears to Zechariah and says, Your prayer has been heard. No answer yet. For all those years they would have prayed, the prayer for a child, they've not been overlooked or forgotten. God has heard and he's answered. But what we don't understand is the circumstances that need to line up in God's providential plan. We don't understand the cosmic battles that are happening in the unseen that lay behind the long delay for Zechariah. And Elizabeth, and in the same way, when we utter our prayers, when we pray over our loved ones, when we look at a circumstance and it causes us to feel burdened, and we cry out to the Lord with tears often, and the prayer doesn't seem to come, let me encourage you, your prayers have been answered. And we don't understand the circumstances in the cosmic conflict that is happening behind the scenes in the other realm that somehow we think Things aren't happening when things are happening. See, the plan for Zechariah and Elizabeth was tied in with Jesus coming, and the time wasn't right. Do we trust God so implicitly that even though his timing is different from our timing, that we keep praying? See, Mary possibly hadn't even been born when Elizabeth prayed that prayer. Zechariah and Elizabeth don't know this. So even though it looked like God had forgotten And the answer wasn't apparent. That is not the case. And the beauty is this. Strength comes. We don't know if the circumstances have changed. But strength comes to the prayer. Let me say that again. Strength comes to the prayer. Peace comes to the prayer. Courage comes to the prayer. 
And if there's one thing our world needs right now, it is peace, it is strength, it is courage. Christian friends, peace, strength, and courage is yours for the taking, for those who pray, for those who seek out the Lord, for those who don't listen to the, uh, the contra- diatribe from the world and the culture and anchor into that truth, for those who anchor into the truth of the Lord, strength comes. Did the circumstances change? No. But his own personal circumstances changed. The inward man changed. So what does God give? He gives strength and courage in the midst of this conflict battle, the cosmic conflict. You see, the curtain is pulled back on what is actually going on. And when we pray, it affects what we don't see. There are two realms constantly at work in our world. And Paul, of course, acknowledges this in the New Testament when he says, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and spiritual forces. When you and I pray, we are pushing a spiritual fist into the heavenly battle. And we are joining forces with divine beings who are fighting on our behalf to see not only our prayers being answered, but God's will, his sovereign plan coming into effect. We join in with that when we pray. Our prayers are not just some nice thing that we do because we've been told we should or it makes us feel better. It's our participation in the battle, the cosmic conflict, the principalities, the powers, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what our fight is against. If we struggle against that, you are struggling against this. I grew up in the, in the 70s and 80s, and in the 80s, there was a lot of talk about second coming, mainly perhaps because it was rooted in, we were in a bit of a, a Cold War nuclear tension situation, and so there was a lot of talk, you know, the Left Behind series, I remember going to see a movie about it, um, and I remember being quite rocked, but I saw that the rapture would come, and people would leave, and are you going to be gone, or are you going to be here, and, and it, was, it was kind of scary stuff. But also, there was a high level of interest in the demonic. Now, of course, like all good Christians, we we had a tendency to let the pendulum swing where everything was demonic. Like any, you know, the, the light bulb goes out, oh, the demons are at it again. You know, there was just this slightest change in circumstances, it's demonic. And I think that we actually gave Satan too much credit. But I wonder whether we've swung the other way, that we don't actually understand that in the unseen realm on this planet, there are demonic forces at play and at work that are creating sinful thoughts and actions that we see the outworking of on a daily basis. In Screwtape Letters, which is an amazing book that I highly recommend you reading by C.S. Lewis, this is conversation between two demons and, and uh, and, and it, one of them says this, there are two equal and op- sorry, C.S. Lewis says this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils or the demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence and the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We've got to find ourselves in the middle. Here's what we know to be true. Biblically, angels and demons exist. Number two, angels and demons engage one another in spiritual combat. Number three, the Bible says there is a hierarchy just like in armies. Number four, certain demons and probably certain angels are given particular geographical and governmental assignments. And number five, our prayers are part of a cosmic conflict. So who's to say, who's to know that over Kelowna, over the Okanagan, there is this demonic battle that is happening. And Christian friends, you are part of that conflict. So we're told that when we're part of this conflict, that Daniel steps into this unseen realm and he's told by this divine, amazing being that when he prayed, God moved. A weary, struggling, aged man Praying by the side of a river, maybe crying out with strained, whispered words into the air, feeling like they dissipate as quickly as they leave his vocal cords, perhaps. Battling with the idea that maybe his words are not coming to any fruition at all. There is God even hearing these words. That little did he know that those strained, whispered words are heard by God The God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and they are answered. 
Never diminish the power of the smallest prayer. Never diminish the power of your time spent with Jesus praying on behalf of our culture and our land and our people and our friends, our neighbors. Never diminish that. That just because it doesn't feel answered doesn't mean to say that it is not answered. Because the battle is a battle in the unseen realm. We must keep praying. And that God deploys his troops on the back of a word. He deploys his troops, he enacts his plan, and he brings relief to the children of God because the children of God are praying. And we need to adopt his perspective and see what he sees. When his children pray, stuff happens. When, chil- when his children don't pray, stuff stops happening. Coincidences suddenly stop when you stop praying. And I wonder if we truly trusted That he has not forsaken us in this time of need. That he has not forgotten you in the middle of your uh, circumstances. If we trusted, that we trust that, that he is with us and for us and towards us. And he delights in us and loves us. I wonder what difference it would make in the practice of our prayer. That when we pray, understanding that Jesus, Jesus is interceding on behalf of you. That he is advocating, the scripture says, on behalf of you. That he's not turned away in disgust because of what has been happening in you or your thoughts. That he leans towards us and prays on our behalf. And you see, that relationship we have with God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit is as a direct result of what Jesus willingly did on the cross for you. And as we believe in that and we submit to that and we ask for forgiveness for the sins that we have willingly committed... That our sin and our shame that we are justly guilty for is transferred, imputed onto Jesus Christ. And it dies with him. And by believing in that, that you then have his righteousness, his life imputed onto your life. And not only that, you now get an intercessor in heaven on your behalf, the scripture says. One that sympathizes and empathizes with you, has experienced what you have experienced but without sin. That he's on the right hand of the Father, praying on your behalf. And God the Father, God in his triune beauty, is sending troops on your behalf. He is sending answers on your behalf. And if we truly grasped the truth of that, I wonder how it would affect our prayers. We would never belittle the word of prayer. We would run to prayer meetings. We would set time aside if we truly knew that our prayers, even though they might involve delay and sometimes disappointment because we don't always get what we want or it doesn't look like we're getting what we want, that his sovereignty and his loving kindness are steadfast and towards us. He's always doing what is best for his children and ultimately his glory and his plan. And we can trust him. We can trust that he is in control. He knows the end from the beginning because if we don't believe that God is in control why are we instructed to pray because our prayers would be going to a God who is actually not able to change things anyway God is in control from the beginning to the end the Alpha and the Omega he holds it all in the palm of his hands and he has made a decision in his wisdom to move on the back of his children's prayers we need to pray we need to believe we need to understand That we're in a conflict. And we need to understand that the value of your prayer and my prayer has profound eternal uh, um, effects. You are loved. You are cared for. You are fought for. And Jesus fought the ultimate battle on the cross for you, Christian friend. That has not changed. His thought for you has not changed. Remember that feeling you had when you first became a Christian? That you just felt overwhelmingly at peace and courageous and loved. That has not changed. You might have changed, but that has not changed. And so here's what I want to do as I finish. I want to just invite you to close your eyes. I just want you to listen to my words as I pray. I'm going to say some statements that are truthful and they're in summary to what I have just shared. The truth is this. That God is with you through the Holy Spirit. The truth is this, that you are greatly loved. The truth is that if you have nothing else to pray, then you can just cry out and mourn and struggle before the Lord. 
The truth is it's okay not to be okay. The truth is that peace, strength, and courage, and answer is coming. The truth is, is there's a war being fought. And we need to remember that Jesus is victorious. And we need to be secure and find hope in the truth that God is in complete control. Yes, even today in the middle of COVID, God is in complete control. So Lord, as we come to the end of chapter 10, just so greatly encouraged. And yet, Lord, it's so hard for us to grasp the enormity of the conflict that we're in. Lord, I pray that everybody who hears my prayer and maybe has their eyes closed as they're listening and and they're just praying, maybe they're listening in the car, whatever it might be. But Father, I pray in Jesus' name there would be an overwhelming sense of unity with you, encouragement from you, courage, peace, and strength from you. Jesus, thank you that you make all this possible because of what you did on the cross for us. Lord, I pray that we would grasp your perspective of our lives. And that, Lord, that we would pray. Pray so that we might know you more. Pray that others might know you. So, Lord, we're so grateful for passages, powerful passages like this. Let us stand on this truth as we go into the week. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Right now, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be hustling outside and and getting ready for church outside. So if you want to sign up, uh, then keep an eye out this week on the website. You'll be able to do that for next week. We'd love to see you. Uh, We're going to try and do two services next week. Um, It will depend on a couple of things, but we will definitely let you know. Uh, If you want to know more information, then please just click on connect and we will get information to you. If you want prayer for anything, if you want to let us know that you want more information about knowing Jesus, uh, we'd love that. We had Alpha start last week. We had 95 people uh, join us on Alpha. Praise God for that. And uh, as always, from Sarah and I and the team, we love you. We miss you. We're looking forward to seeing you maybe in your church on lawn. And uh, we pray you have a wonderful and blessed week. God bless.